0: Welcome to the official podcast of DogsDaily.com, a sports illustrated channel. Gets to the edge? Tony Michelle will send the dogs home to the championship game. If you're looking for the latest Georgia Bulldog news in football, basketball, baseball, and recruiting, then you're in the right place. by Dogs Daily Writers, Jeremiah Stoddard, Kyle Funderburg, and Jonathan Williams. Here's the pitch. And high out into right center with some carry. It's got a chance. This ball is out of here. Tucker Bradley has won it. Just sit back, relax, and prepare yourself for these hot takes you're about to listen to.
1: All right, welcome back to another episode of Classic City Sports. As always, Jeremiah Stoddard, along with my buddy Jonathan Williams. And we had kind of planned out a little bit of a show today. You know, we we started texting earlier and said, hey, what should we talk about today? And started going over a couple topic ideas, started doing some research on things. You know, we wanted to talk about state of college football and the NIL stuff, transfer portal, which I guess is still relevant. You know, we'll get to that kind of stuff. And we were even going to get into, you know, where Kirby stacks up as a – um, head coach across college football at this point now that he has a national championship. We will still touch on some of that stuff, I'm sure. Um, but a lot of news broke while we were just on our way in to actually record the show today. So um, there's obviously some updates across Georgia's you know landscape, especially at quarterback. As you can see the title of it. there's a lot of movement at the quarterback position or decisions have been made at the quarterback desi- or quarterback position for Georgia already this offseason. Now there's no guarantee of who's going to start on there. There will be speculation of it as we will get into that, you know, as we kind of go through this as well. But, you know, you got JT Daniels officially transferring out. You know, he announced, I don't think he can actually leave until he graduates in May, um, but he is officially in the transfer portal as of now. And then you also saw that Stetson Bennett came out and posted that he is coming back for one more season at Georgia. And that obviously sparked a lot of stuff. So I'm going to kick it over to Jonathan. Jonathan came in kind of hot a little heated when he got here and a lot of opinions ready to go. So I'm going to go ahead and kick it over to you. What was you, Just as we kind of saw all of this start to unfold today, well, and then also, you know, uh, Jermaine Burton transferring out as well. So wide receiver leaving uh, Georgia as well. So that's mixed into all of the stuff that we've got going on today. So I'm just kick it over to you and just how are you feeling about everything and what was your initial reaction about all the news we saw today?
2: Well, first off, I'm glad to know that off-season podcasts for us have not changed because if you're new not here – Anytime that we do a podcast in the offseason, we typically are kind of gandering on what we should talk about and kind of coming up with topic ideas. And then all of a sudden news drops and it's usually breaking news, kind of something that maybe we didn't expect. We're expecting for a while and it finally happens. And this time it was a whole bunch of it. I mean, it was just like one announcement after the other. They all came at the same time. Like right as, as soon as JT hit the portal, Stetson announces he's returning. And then Jermaine Burton got it kicked off with entering the portal as well. So. A lot of assumptions being made as to why those certain players are hitting the portal or as to why those players are returning. And then there's, of course, as expected, there's a lot of hate surrounding why Stetson Bennett is returning to UGA despite winning the team a national championship this last year. And first thing I'll go ahead and address is the fact that people are already starting to say that Jermaine Burton is transferring because Stetson Bennett is coming back. And I think that's just absolutely ridiculous to say and assume Because a huge assumption. I'll go ahead and pull up the stats right now. I have them on my phone just to kind of give you an idea of how he was tracking in his UJ career. So this season, he had 497 receiving yards, 26 receptions, averaging 19.1 yards per reception and five touchdowns. Touchdowns were a career high. Receiving yards were a career high. Average receiving yards was a career high. And he had one less reception than he did last year. So obviously involvement in the offense was not an issue with that. So to say that because Stetson's coming back means that's why Jermaine's leaving is absurd because he didn't see a drop-off in his stats because Stetson was a starter or anything like that. In fact, he played better and produced better with Stetson Bennett at quarterback. So I think that's ridiculous to assume that that's the reason why he's transferring. And then just the fact that there's people hating on the guy who just – won you a national championship. Now I get it. The defense did play a huge part in that. And that's part of football. It takes, it's a team sport. It takes both sides of the, of of the team to success and win a national championship. And this year, Georgia's defense was better than the offense and that's okay. Like that's how you, you you wanted a national championship. Everybody wanted Kirby smart to win a national championship. That's why you brought him here. He delivered that with building an, an elite roster on both sides of the football. And it, All of a sudden, it matters that it was Stetson Bennett at the starting quarterback position instead of a Brock Vandegrift or a five-star that has all these flashy assets with him and is dripping with tools and is going to be a future first-round pick. And because it's Stetson Bennett in a former walk-on, he gets ridiculed for it, and it doesn't make any sense to me because you got what you wanted – a week ago, we were completely fine. Everybody was happy. Everybody was celebrating. Everybody's like, "I owe Stetson" been an apology. That man delivered what we wanted him to, and he did more than anything we could have ever asked from him. And now, all of a sudden, that he announces that he's coming back for another year at UGA, which he has expressed that he loves. He loves the city of Athens. He loves the fans at UGA, and he loves everything about the University of Georgia, despite the amount of hate that he has gotten from from those said fans. He still comes back, and he wants to take in one last season with the University of Georgia, and it's welcomed with hate. It's not welcoming him back with open arms or anything like that, and I just think that's ridiculous. I think that's absolutely absurd that fans would have that reaction for someone to just put his guts on the line for you and did everything he possibly could to win you a national championship and delivered Absolutely. And here's the thing that the problem with it is everyone
1: assumes that you have to have an elite quarterback still. Right. And, and I get that the way that college football has turned at this point, you've seen the Trevor Lawrence's, you've seen the Bryce Young's, the um, I can't even think the name of Trevor, right Trevor. I said that once a then but you got Baker Mayfield, Joe and Burrow, Joe Burrow and, and guys like that. Like I get that you've seen these guys come through and have success. But, you know, some of those guys didn't win national championships. Some did. And it takes more than just an elite quarterback to do it. What the beautiful thing about what Georgia football has right now is they have a full team. It's, it's a complete team. That's why you can see a quarterback that may not be an elite quarterback. I'm not going to sit here and say that he's an elite quarterback. He's not going to come out and throw for 4,500 yards. But with that being said, Bryce Young is the only Bama quarterback to ever do stuff like that too. And yet Bama has been winning national championships for, you know, a couple decades, just consistently at this point. So, You can't sit here and say you have to have an elite quarterback because they have had some quarterbacks go through Alabama that were not elite that led them to national championship runs that looked good at Alabama because of the team around them as well. you got to think that you need a complete team. If you're one that sits here and says you have to have the elite quarterback in order for your team to be able to win a national championship game, but then you're going to sit here and go, well, Georgia won it this year without it, but that's because they had an elite defense. It's because they had a complete team. It's because they had a freshman uh, tight end that was absolutely going off and almost had a 1,000-yard receiving season, would have been the second player in UGA history to do so, including wide receivers' tight ends entirely, outside of Terrence Edwards is the only one that actually broke that. And then you had a freshman wide receiver in A.D. Mitchell making huge plays in the big game. You had a, a redshirt freshman cornerback making huge plays in picking the ball off to close out the game. You had Ladd McConkey coming out there, a uh, not former walk-on, but he's a freshman still, right? Redshirt. redshirt or Red redshirt freshman. Redshirt freshman as well. So you have these young guys stepping up, making big plays in big moments. That's why you win this game. You did win this game because your defense held up and, and you know, decided to really come through and help the struggling offense throughout parts of that game. But guess what? Bama had that elite quarterback. Yeah. And- how far did they get? How, how good was their offense in that game? With their elite quarterback. Because you still can win like championships with defenses. And just assuming that Georgia won't have a good defense next year because of the guys leaving, that, that's also not an accurate statement. They will have a good defense next year. They may not have the like historic defense that they had this year, but they will still have a good defense. It won't it, be a big drop off.
2: I don't know if anyone will ever have a defense like what Georgia had this no. season to begin with anyways. But I mean – We've learned by now, you don't have to worry about defense with Kirby Smart. I don't care how many guys you lose. That guy always figures it out. His his coaching staff always figures it out. They put the right guys on the field, and every single season, they're going to have a really good defense. May not be elite to that standard, but it's going to be really dang good. But you talking about all these freshmen kind of segues me into this, is that just because Stetson coming, is coming back doesn't mean that he's going to be the starting quarterback. And now I think there's a high chance that he will be, of course. I mean, like I said, he's the guy that just took you to a national championship, and that holds merit. And it should. But at the same time, we kind of hear this thing about how, oh, well, Kirby – the quarterback – like, Kirby doesn't play the best player at quarterback. It's kind of all about how he feels about the guy emotionally or whatever. But let me ask you this. What did Kirby Smart do in the national championship? He moved Broderick Jones over to left tackle, kicked Sawyer into right guard. We haven't done that all year. Haven't done that all year. Sawyer hasn't played guard this year at all. He – put the best player at that position. Broderick Jones is a young guy. He's, it's not like this guy that brings experience either. He's raw. And we saw that during his playing time this year. Another thing, when it, um, Tate Rattledge went down this year, we kicked Erickson over to right guard. We put a redshirt freshman in at center. Like you said, we put redshirt freshman, really, uh, Keeley Ringo in at quarterback, a cornerback. You had a freshman, true freshman tied in, Come into the absence of Darnell Washington when you have guys like John Fitzpatrick, who you could have easily just used for more, just said he's more experienced. That's the guy we're going to roll with for the bulk of the minutes there in snaps at that position. And then at the same time, you brought in another freshman, Adonai Mitchell, in the absence of wide receivers when they were banged up as well. And then, like we said, redshirt freshman, Lad McConkie. It's obvious. Kirby Smart is going to play the guy that he feels gives his best chance to win. He says it all the time. But at the same time, it's proof that it doesn't matter if you're a senior. It doesn't matter if you're a sophomore. It doesn't matter if you're a true freshman who just got onto campus four months ago. If you're the best player, you're going to play. So if Brock Vandegrift, if Carson Beck, if Gunnar Stockton is the best player at the time for this season, they're going to play quarterback. I don't care what you say about what Kirby Smart has done in the past with his quarterbacks. He's proven that at every position. He's going to play the best guy, no matter how much experience you have. He's going to play you. So why would he do anything different at quarterback? What makes you think that he wouldn't do the same thing at quarterback? Well, and so. there's two huge
1: things that go along with this as well. That, that you got to understand that the best player doesn't always start because it takes more than just being like a starter from just being raw talent, right? You have to be able to put things together in other aspects of the game as well, especially at quarterback position. It, it's a very Absolutely. big mental position. It takes a lot of focus and concentration throughout the week, even like outside of practice and actual extra work that you need to see from your quarterback and stuff like that. So just having the best guy start doesn't mean you have the guy with the strongest arm starting. That doesn't mean you have the guy that's the fastest starting at whatever position you're talking about. It means you have the most complete player that puts your team in. This is why Kirby always says this guy gives us the best chance to win right now. Yep. He always phrases it that way too. He says right now always he, it. because it's open. And so to go off what you're saying, like, why would he change that at the quarterback position when he hasn't at anything else? And to kind of go back to what you said, too, with Keeley Ringo at corner, Amir Speed started the year. He's the experienced guy. He started the year. That's how you see stuff start a lot of times. But you saw that everything kind of dropped. His snap count dropped. And and you saw Keely come in there because Keely was playing well. He proved that he was ready to go. And think about with him, he came off a shoulder surgery last year and didn't play at all. So he was really inactive all year outside. He wasn't even able to practice and stuff like that. He could do walkthroughs, I'm sure, and he was probably, you know, in film rooms, all that good stuff and getting ready, but he couldn't even be on the field. So he needed a little bit of time to make sure that he was ready to get out there. My point of it, though, is when they saw that, they made the change. They they did. The other stuff, you know, that you saw and you talked about with, you know, Taylor Ratledge going down, you saw us move Erickson over and put the young guy in at center. That was because of injury, Yes. And then Erickson got hurt, you know, at right guard again in the National Championship game. You saw them put Broderick in and move Sawyer. That was the biggest surprise to me is because Sawyer has not played guard all season. But because they trusted the best guy to put in would be Broderick rather than sticking somebody else in at right guard. Because we had some guys, you could have had Xavier Truss out there, and you could have had a couple other people you probably could have shoved in at, at right guard. But instead, they decided to go with the guy they thought gave them the best chance to win the game by putting in a young guy at left tackle, which is... Going up against Will Anderson, by the way, so that shows that he's got the confidence to put a young guy in when he needs to, yeah. or when they feel I mean, that best they're player ready. in college football for exactly. Out loud. And they move a guy over to right guard, who is yes going to be a guard in the NFL, but hasn't played guard all year. Didn't play it last year either, did he? No, oh. like he played tackle all year last year, and you just assume that he just completely disregards all of that at the quarterback position and just decides. I'm just feeling this guy, and so I'm just going to stick with it the whole way, and I'm not going to make any adjustments to what we've got going on. To me, that's that's bull crap. And
2: why would he do that? Yeah, I I don't know. But I do want you to go ahead and pull up our guy Evan's comment, the last one he just put, because it kind of helps me bring in this next comment that I have. So this is our guy Evan. shout-out. To Colonel Sanders. We go we call him Colonel Sanders, but it goes by Evan, I guess, on YouTube. But I'm calling him Colonel because that's how I know him by. It. But he's talking so he says Bama fans complaining about injuries can shove it. UGA fans complaining about Stetson can also shove it. Coming out <laughs> feisty, and I love it from Colonel. But so talking about why Georgia fans can shove it about Stetson, here's a stat for you. So mind mind you, Stetson Bennett has not gone an entire season yet as starting every single game. He has not he didn't do it last year, and he didn't do it this year either. Despite that. In just two seasons, Stetson Bennett ranks eighth in passing yards and sixth in touchdowns amongst all Georgia quarterbacks in history. And he was close to breaking the touchdown record this season
1: for a single season. By the way, he had thirty this year, and I think what the record's thirty-seven. Um,
2: uh, yeah, the team I think total. So. Something...
1: The team, by the way, broke the total for touchdowns as mm-hmm. a team this year, like single season at quarterback. But that's including all backups and stuff in those blowout games where he had other people throwing touchdowns, all that good stuff there. But yes,
2: so for him to do that and he's 14 and 3 total as a starter. So in 17 games, he ranks 8th and six. two of those
1: losses are Bama. Can y'all <laughs> relax? Yeah. It was Alabama. Georgia yeah. had lost 7 in a row to Alabama. everybody so why, was losing to Bama. Why are <laughs> you getting mad at him for losing a couple games to Alabama out of 14 you said 14 and 3, right? 14 and 3. So 14 and 1 if you take out the Bama games that or 13 and 1 if you take out all of the Bama games that he's played. But he actually got over the hump and beat Alabama. You know how many big name quarterbacks at Georgia that have not been able to do that? ton. How many big-name
2: quarterbacks in general have failed to do that? I mean, good grief. Those elite
1: quarterbacks that you like to talk about. Those Matthew <laughs> Staffords and stuff like that. The Aaron Murrays I mean, Deshaun Watson. That played, good that, grief. Yeah, go outside of Georgia. Players like that that lost to Alabama because their team wasn't able to do it as well. It takes a whole team and to, to sit here and say that you have to have the elite quarterback to do it and that Stetson can't win us another national champion. All we heard all year this year, including with this, this defense, right? That everyone wants to say won the championship this year, which yes, the defense was a huge part of this championship team, but it takes more than the defense. The offense still was scoring 35, almost 38 points a game, something like that. i would have to go back and look at the final yeah. season stats at this point, but, the offense was still putting up a ton of points. Yes, some of that came from the defense's help by field position and helping them score like that. But still, my point of it is this team is complete and it'll continue to be a more complete team as long as you have that. And like you said earlier, with with Kirby Smart, you're going to have a good defense. You always. Are. So you will have a chance to win another national championship with sets and minute. Because once again, all year we sat here listening to you guys say. Stetson Bennett can't win. We won't win the big games with Stetson Bennett. We won't beat Alabama with Stetson Bennett. And yes, we lost in December. But Georgia turned around and beat them in the national championship game. So they did win a national championship with Stetson Bennett. They did win over Alabama with Stetson Bennett. So all of that gets thrown away. And immediately, fans just turn around and start saying, hey, it's because of our defense. Well, where was that comment two months ago when we were sitting here telling you that Stetson Bennett is very capable? In my exact words, I love saying this because I kept saying it and I'll still say it guess what? Stetson Bennett, every game that he plays, that same defense got to play the same game with him. So if our defense is winning all of these games leading up to it, guess what? We're in luck. The Bama has to play against Georgia's defense again, which means you got to like your chances. Exactly. I mean, it just comes down to that. Like, Why why do all of a sudden we have to throw that out the window and just say, yeah, we're just going to ignore the fact that the quarterback situation was the same and we still were able to beat them?
2: And you want to know why you have that luxury as a Georgia fan and why this Georgia team is built for success? It's because Kirby Smart is one of the best coaches in college football. So now we'll get into that topic. So that was a topic we were going to discuss, and I think this is still a great topic to talk about for for this episode. And because it kind of tells you, don't worry about anything. Like There's nothing to worry about, and it's because you have Kirby Smart at the helm of your football team. So – I put together a list and I put together kind of the stats of the head coaches that are also grouped in this topic of like top head coaches in all of college football. Of course, Nick Saban sits at the top, always will until he retires. Not something to dispute. No, no one's taking him down until he retires. And uh, so, and then also Dabo Sweeney's in that mix. And then you right, also have Jimbo Fisher and Lincoln Riley. Those are the, but th- those are just the guys that are usually brought up in this conversation. That's true.
1: That's I'm not, true. I'm not saying and if that,
2: that's who we're gonna use, is that the whole list you brought up for the, today? Those are the those are the names that I put together. Those just based on what I kind of see through social media and what I see other people seeing. And right. I think that's a fair that's a fair group of names
1: to use because it's thinking about coaches that have won national championships, coaches yeah, that have exactly. built good programs and, and everything like that. And
2: they're that. coaches that are kind of similar to Kirby Smart, I also I'll also put it. So we'll start with Nick Saban. I'll just kind of run down the list real quick and we'll talk about it. Don't really need to talk about it because we just said, I mean, everyone the knows of exact time. But yeah. so Nick Saban started at Alabama in 2007, won his first national championship year three in the 2009-2010 season, had 11 years of head coaching experience before he got to Alabama. He was at Toledo, Michigan State and LSU. And then he also had a stint with the Miami Dolphins in the NFL for two years. So had a lot of head coaching experience prior to coming to Alabama. Now, not to mention, Alabama was kind of in the dumps when he got there. So he really built them up pretty quickly to win a national champion, championship in year three. But nonetheless, worth noting to have that much experience coming into that. So not much to say there. It's Nick no. Saban. He's won you know what he's seven done. national championships now as a head coach. So, Is he tied or beat Bear Bryant? I think – He's tied? He may have. I don't know. I don't know. I didn't look that up. I should have looked it up. But anyways, I'll confirm. So now we'll go down to Dabo Sweeney, the one that I think is the only other one that you could argue as ahead of Kirby Smart at this point. And that's because he has two national championships. He started at Clemson in 2008. He started out as the interim and then officially took over the team. Won his first national championship in 2016, which was his eighth year coaching, and then also another in 2018. Clemson was also his first head coaching year, just like Kirby Smart. His first head coaching year was at Georgia. So I think that's why,
1: because he has two – You said his, it was his eighth season that he won it, right? Yes, his eighth season that he
2: won his first national championship. And this week. was Kirby's sixth? Yes. Mm-hmm. So, um, so two years ahead of that. So two years ahead of that as well. But nonetheless, has two of them. But again, he's had a lot more time with that program than he, Kirby has with his. So – But nonetheless, I still think Dabo Sweeney is probably the only other head coach that you could put ahead of Kirby Smart at the moment. So then we'll go down to Lincoln Riley. Lincoln Riley is very similar to Kirby Smart. I think he's the most similar to Kirby Smart. He's got his first head coaching gig at Oklahoma in 2017, which, by the way, was the year that Kirby Smart beat him in the Rose Bowl in the College Bowl playoffs to go to the national championship. Has not won a national championship with Oklahoma. Hasn't won a playoff game. Has not won a playoff game. Won the conference every year except this last season, which now, of course, he is at um, USC. Kirby Smart is still with his respective program. But then again, also, Lincoln Riley was kind of chasing some money, kind of probably wanted a new yeah. scenery and everything. So he wasn't fired.
1: No, he say. chose to leave. Yeah, he exactly. chose to leave.
2: Definitely chose. So, I, st- but again, like, he's behind Kirby. He, at, at this point, he is behind Kirby. And then the last one, Jimbo Fisher. First head coaching in 2010 with Florida State. Won a natty in 2013 during the BCS, which was his fourth season with the team. Has not won his division since 2014 when he was at Florida State. Since then, has finished second in his division three different times. So now that he's at, now that he's at Texas A&M, he hasn't won his division there, of course, because Bama's Bama's in the West. There. Yeah. But, but, but they beat Bama.
1: Yeah, Texas have, A&M. Texas A&M is one of the teams in the West that actually beats Bama first since 2012. Like in going back to Manziel days, that's when they started. Like they would beat Bama every once in a while. Like and, you,
2: and so he was also the first former Nick Saban assistant to beat Nick Saban. And you want to know who he did it with? Zach Calzada. Zach Calzada is by no means an elite quarterback. So the two assi- Kirby uh, Nick Saban assistants to beat Nick Saban. Both did it without elite quarterbacks. I think that kind of puts it to bed about you need this elite quarterback to be Alabama because the two Nick Saban, former Nick Saban assistants who did it, did it without these elite quarterbacks. So there's that as well. So with all that being said, we kind of laid it out. The guys that, who people argue as the best head coaches in college football, I think it's definitely Kirby Smart is in the top three and no further down the list. I think it's Nick Saban, Davos Sweeney, Kirby Smart right now. But I will say as soon as Kirby Smart gets number two, kicked Davos Sweeney down, and it's Kirby Smart and Nick Saban without a doubt. And the reason why is because Davo Sweeney is not recruiting like Kirby Smart does. I mean, he had holes on his offensive line, and it's because he does not put an emphasis on recruiting offensive line. And then also he, he, he downs using the portal. He said that he was going to quit coaching when players started getting played, whereas Kirby Smart started doing all of that. Kirby Smart knows how to play the game. He knows how to cater to his players. Whereas Davis Sweeney has showed he's, he's not very good at doing that. So I think Kirby Smart's definitely top three amongst all head coaches right now. And I don't even think it's close between him, Jimbo, and Lincoln Riley. I don't think that's close. I think Kirby Smart is without a doubt the third best head coach in the nation right now. And I, Kirby is knocking on the door for number two as well. So,
1: and, and I'm going to put in this because I know you did some more research on this stuff too. With uh, Nick Saban, how many years of head coaching experience did was he in, or at least in college, we won't count like the NFL because. He had
2: nine seasons in college before, before he won his first one, right? But, oh, before he won his No, no he personal? won at LSU. Yeah, he did win one at LSU. I was talking about with current programs. With current programs. I was thinking about, so he won one at LSU. 2005, I think, something like that. 2006.
1: Let me look. Check, check that real quick. Because the reason I'm bringing that up is like, when we talk about this, you've got to give like a little bit of a, a disclaimer for, for Kirby Smart in the sense of how many years he's been doing it. Right. And so that's why I commented when you said that it had been eight years or eight seasons for Dabo to win his first national championship. Well, it's been six seasons for Kirby Smart, so he's two years ahead of that. And then you said it took him two more years to 2003 win
2: three for LSU, two thousand three for LSU. Okay.
1: Yes. Roughly how long was he coaching
2: for LSU? College? Oh, um, for college? Head coach at college. Uh, well, it was nine total seasons, and there was from two thousand five, two thousand six. He was with Miami Dolphins. So he left. So he started at Toledo in nineteen ninety. So um, it's a he kind of jumped around a little bit. So it's hard to give like a so direct. Get, but it was a lot. I mean, it's it's a, lot a lot of you, <laughs>
1: But my point is like, and I'm, my the reason I'm saying this though is not to sit here and put Nick Saban at a different level than he is. Nick Saban is the best coach in college football, and he will go down as one of the best to ever do it. Obviously, with as many national championships as he's been able to win. So the point of what I'm bringing up, though, is, like I said, it took eight seasons for Dabo to win his first. Took Kirby six. Took two more for Dabo to win his second. So at this point, it took ten seasons for Dabo to win two national championships. I would go out on a limb and say Georgia wins another national championship before he gets to that tenth year, which is why I say that I would probably go ahead and I would already say that Kirby Smart is a better coach. I think than Dabo at I this point. I think You
2: definitely could at this point where where things the stand. Only right reason
1: now. the only reason you can't technically, if you want to be. Real critical of it is because of the number of national championships. But if you're going to count that, you've got to look at how long, like you've got to look at the years, the years of service in order to say that that's what it was. So you've got to give credit back to Kirby Smart there as far as going back to six seasons in for Dabo, where was he at kind of thing? You know what I mean? And so at that point, you've got to give the advantage back to Kirby Smart. As far as Lincoln Riley goes, Lincoln Riley, I think, is a good head coach. But a lot of weird stuff happened with him this year. He, he couldn't yeah. – talk about coaches not winning the big games. He, got, he consistently got to the playoffs and mm-hmm. lost every year and couldn't seem to put something together. Um, it, it just didn't really work out for him there. And Jimbo Fisher, I'm still not sold on Jimbo. He did what he did with Florida State. And then just you haven't really heard from him since.
2: I mean, yeah, like I said, he hasn't won his division since 2014.
1: You haven't heard from him since. Yeah. So, like, he, he just kind of fell off the map. And he's trying to build his program back up. And, yes, he's in the West. And so he has to go up against Alabama every year. He's beat Alabama. And still, like, in the season, he's beat Alabama, hasn't won the conference.
2: Yeah, I mean, he's building a ridiculous roster right now. I mean, The recruiting class is great. The highest-rating recruiting class in history. Now, part of that is because they took on, what, like, 28 kids this year, which was, like, the first time you could ever do that. So, I think that that record is just going to continue to be broken year after year now because once you get more years of teams being able to do that, I think more teams are just going to start doing that as well and breaking that record because you're just going to bring in mass amounts of players. But, yeah, I mean – you, that's the thing is that Kirby Smart has won his division every single year except his first year, and then last year during the COVID year, of course, <clears throat> and Florida won it. So Kirby Smart brings the consistency, and he's winning at a high level every single year, and you're going to continue to see that. And There's no signs of that dropping off. Portal portal exists right now. That's going to continue to happen, but what does Kirby always do? He adapts to the situation. He figures things out. He finds ways to continue to get elite players, and he's ever since he got on campus – Ever since he got on campus, he has been recruiting at elite level. Every single year. I mean, I don't think he, he's he been outside of the top three in recruiting maybe once, was it? Or I think maybe every single year he's been in the top three in the recruiting rankings besides of his first year that he was here when he didn't get to recruit the whole cycle. So, I mean, Kirby Smart is doing exactly what – or Kirby Smart is doing what a lot of other head coaches have failed to do, which is be consistent every single year. I mean, why did, why did Mark Rick get fired from UGA? Because – He kind he would stay at that tired of that ten win season. Yeah, ten win season, and then every now and then you mix in an eight win season or a nine win season. You don't see that with Kirby Smart or a seven win season. Yeah, even worse. But you don't see that with Kirby Smart. You haven't seen it yet, and you won't see that with Kirby Smart at all. So, I think there's. I think you definitely could say it right now. Kirby Smart is a top two head coach in college football. If you're doing it right now, if you're doing it based kind of like all time of current head coaches, then you probably lean towards Dabo Sweeney. But if you're going off of, like, as it currently sits, like, who would you rather have right now? I think majority of people would take Kirby Smart over Debo Sweeney.
1: Oh, especially after you just watched Clemson fall apart this year. Yeah. Clemson just absolutely fell apart. Again, something that Georgia has not done yet. Mm -mm. No, Kirby Smart has consistently built the program up each year, and they've gotten better and better as, as the time has gone under him. Now, granted, they did make a national championship game appearance his second season. At that point, me and my buddies that I talked to at the time would always look at each other and say, I mean, think about how far ahead of schedule Georgia is right now. And so that's something you've got to remember that Georgia didn't drop off from there. Georgia was way ahead of schedule, and they had to kind of catch back up to where they were supposed to be kind of thing.
2: Kirby Smart did not pull Ed Orgeron. No, (laughs) no, he
1: did not. He was very much back in, in the discussion every other, you know, the next year, the very next year, it was Always a game against Alabama board. in the SEC championship game that would that decided the fate of whether or not they made the playoffs that year. You know, and then the following year, you, keep, you can keep going on with the list of they were one game away from being in the playoffs like each year after that, basically. Um, and so that's just sometimes things like that happen. It is what it is. But at this point. Georgia has gotten to where they are supposed to be as a program, right? They have gotten to where they have built this roster from top to bottom for years, six seasons of recruiting classes under Kirby Smart at this point. So he's got them ready to go. You know, at this point, he's got his talent upon talent. So everybody – Bama is the one that used to always say this, right? They don't, like, restart. They reload. You know – there, there's a guy right behind the, the, whoever the starter was that's also a four or five star that's ready to step up. And then there's the occasional three star, like A.D. Mitchell, that comes out and just goes off. There's the you know two stars out. There's walk-ons like Dan Jackson that come out and start all of a sudden and make a huge impact when Chris Smith goes down and gets hurt. Um, it's just stuff like that, man. And when you want to talk about like a team as a whole, I'm going back to our conversation earlier about this defense and how elite they were and stuff, too. There was a lot of good news that came back about this defense this year of who's coming back.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: you know. And so Kirby Smart still has – there's about four guys, five guys
2: that are coming I back think, at this point. I think like roughly half of the defense is coming back. Like, they weren't maybe necessarily starters, but like they were still major contributors. I think so it was – but I still think there was like four starters.
1: Oh, no, yeah. And no, then no, like yes. six more players or ten total players that had 200-plus snaps. Some, uh, there was an article that SI put out on yes. this. And it was like four games – or four starters came back and like six other contributors that had at least 200 snaps played this year. Yep. So people that were on the field a good bit. So you have experience and you have guys stepping up ready to go that have been preparing for this. So I don't think Georgia's defense takes a huge drop off, which is why I bring that no. up again of why Kirby Smart's not going anywhere as a head coach right now as far as his ability to perform. And at this point, I already looked at the schedule for next season. I'm sure you have too. And when I look at that regular season, I see another 12-0 season. As as far as the regular season goes, based on what we've seen from teams this past year and where we're going this year, that we know this year, I see the opportunity for another. The op, I'll say the opportunity because you don't. I'm not guaranteeing anything. I see an opportunity for Georgia to have another 12 and 0 season, which means next year they go into another game in the SEC championship game, similar to this year, where if they were to lose, they should still be in. Oh yeah. And so that's where you've got Georgia at at this point. That's the type of program that Kirby Smart has established. And yes, that is being said with. Stetson Bennett at quarterback, that Georgia will still, I'm telling you now with Stetson Bennett, that they will still have a great chance of going 12-0 in the regular season. And if he was able to beat Alabama once, he could do it again.
2: That's all I'm going to say on that. I too. mean, if you learn anything about Stetson Bennett, the dude's just a baller. It, regardless of what happens, regardless of what people are saying, regardless of what's happening in the game. Alabama game is a perfect example of that. He was having a horrible game leading up to the fourth quarter. Then what does he does? He just flips a switch and it starts chunking it all over the field, dropping dimes, making plays, doing everything that was needed of him to win that football game. The dude's just a baller, and he shows up when he's needed. So, I mean, yeah, 12-0 is absolutely possible with Stetson Bennett at the quarterback, and I think it's possible with Pretty much anybody on the roster right now. Should we do it again? Should yeah. we say it doesn't even really matter who because plays start? Because or it, who probably starts? it doesn't really. It doesn't matter. because, And again, it has to do with what Kirby Smart has built in Athens. And it's not just Kirby Smart. It's his assistants as well because he's built, he doesn't just build good rosters. He builds good coaching staffs. I mean, just look like at Glenn Schumann right now, who's the inside linebacker head coach, possibly could be the team's defensive coordinator going into this season. I still think yeah, that's I, I think
1: he's a he's a
2: good he's guy. He's gotta be definition. one of the he's one of the Either top candidates. Much, yeah. But so he arrived in Athens when Kirby Smart did in twenty sixteen. Since then, he is almost every single year he has had one of his inside linebackers get drafted. Start off with Roquan Smith, then you have you had Monty Rice and you had Tay Crowder, and now you're about to have Nakobe Dean. You're about to have Nicoby Dean, Quay Walker, and um, Tyndall. Yeah, you okay. to have three guys get drafted this year. Well, I was only counting inside linebackers, but yeah, you could put I'm it talking at, about linebackers. Yeah, you could put it as linebackers as a whole, and that number gets even bigger. But you want to know what else he did during his Quay time? Quay Walker's inside, too.
1: Yeah. Well, so that would be two this year. Yeah. Quay Walker's so, an inside um, linebacker.
2: So during his time, and at, before Glenn Schumann arrived in Athens, no Georgia linebacker had ever won the Buckets Award. You want to know what's happened since then? Two of them have won it now. Nickobe Dean won it this year. Of course, Brokaw Smith won it in 2017. So he, he builds elite rosters and he builds elite coaching staffs. What else could you ask for from a head coach? And so then again, this all ties back to what I was saying earlier, as in don't worry about roster movement because, again, Kirby Smart has built this team for success. He's prepared his team for success when players go down. That was showcased this year better than any other season. We had more injuries on, on both sides of the ball than we had ever had almost. I mean, like, I'm going to bring this back up to then. Yeah, just because Bama don't complain about, about injuries, injuries, Alabama. They
1: can shove it because Georgia was injured all season long, and they still didn't get certain people back. You never saw a drop
2: off. You never saw a drop off when those injuries happened, whether it was quarterback, whether it was wide receiver, whether it was at safety with the walk on playing safety and replacement of Chris Smith. You never saw any type of major drop off, and of course, there's still some drop off skill wise, but you never saw this dramatic. Drastic, dramatic, yeah, or dramatic or drastic, whatever.
1: Whichever one, you whichever, combine them. But whichever yeah, whichever
2: adjective you would like to use, <laughs> you never saw that. So again, Kirby Smart knows what he's doing. Trust him. We've learned that. Everybody's learned that by now, or at least everybody should know that by now. Trust Kirby Smart and the decisions he makes because he makes good ones, and he makes ones that are always going to better the team. Nobody wants to win more than Kirby Smart does.
1: No, absolutely nobody wants to win more than Kirby Smart does. And I'm going li- to elaborate on like why I still say does it even really matter who plays start or who starts at quarterback for Georgia on there? And there's a couple reasons for it. Last, Like last season or this past season, we talked about that in the aspect of Georgia's defense once again got to play every single game, that whatever quarterback played. So that's what you had going for you on that part. The reason I think it doesn't matter as much this year is different, though. I, I take a different approach with it. Because at this point, now I say with Stetson Bennett, yes, he can beat Alabama. Yes, he can win you a National Championship. Those questions have already been answered. So, yes, I know people are going to sit here and dispute that he could do it again and all that kind of stuff. We've seen proof that he can do it. Yep. So you've got that option. Then you've got Carson Beck on the roster who's been sitting around waiting for two seasons now that has learned and absorbed everything, who was on the verge of becoming the starter this season before Stetson overtook him in that week of practice leading up to the UAB game, and he became the starter. Um instead of instead of Carson Beck. So that's another guy that's sitting there that is absorbed, that has incredible arm talent, has shown just poison, just been quiet and just sitting there, and he's still no signs of him transferring right now. So everyone can Sit here and say that they thought he. Uh, there was a bunch of people that counted him out as soon as the season even started. Right, a, right after the UAB game, they were counting him out. Well, before that, but when Brock Vandegrift walked on campus, everyone already counted him out because they didn't. No, yeah, I was just saying after that small sample size, point, people yes. were
2: saying, "Oh, he sucks. Like we don't need him anymore. He yes. sucks."
1: Like, so that was like what everyone counted out. So, but I'm here to tell you that that's not the case. That I'm here to tell you that he's still there to compete, at least as of right now, until something changes on that. We take the same approach that Brooks Austin does. I'm not going to sit here and report on a kid transferring or leaving until they actually come out publicly and say 100%. it. Even though we knew at this point that JT Daniels was gone, it wasn't official until today. So nothing from SI or from us came out saying that he was transferring until it was official and he announced it himself or you know, ESPN announced it today too. So once all that became public, at that point you could talk about a player leaving. At this point in time, when you've already seen Stetson decide to stay and you've seen JT leave, at this point it tells me that Carson's not going anywhere Because they had a meeting, apparently, or somebody did, and they came out with a collective decision of, you know, not maybe together because I don't think Stetson necessarily made JT leave kind of thing. But my point of it is I think they came down and said, hey, we need decisions from people. Yeah, I think this is a day to decide. So which tells me Carson Beck is sticking around for this season or at least for right now for spring ball. Maybe that will change if he goes through spring ball and realizes he lost the job again. At that point, you never know. But I'm not counting him out on that. And so there's a nap or something (laughs) flying in front of my face. Um so you got to count Carson Beck as a chance still, because like you said at the beginning of the show, Stetson's not guaranteed to start this year. No, you got He's options. Not. So you still got Carson Beck and Stetson there. But then you got Brock VanGervur, who had a full season to sit around and learn and absorb everything this season as well. This off, you know, this regular season now that's coming off season as well. So he is going to be competing for that starting job. And I think any one of those three guys, and I'm not going to put Gunner into this conversation because I see there's a zero in my mind unless. Here he it gets goes really again, bad.
2: riding Gunner
1: off. <laughs> Unless things get really bad, I don't see Kirby Smart making the decision to go for the true freshman quarterback. That's yeah. what I'm going to say. Hopefully it doesn't I, come I, down I, think, to that. I think Gunner is going to start eventually down the road. I think he's got a couple people in front of him that he's got to have leave or go do something else before that's going to happen. So, but I do think Gunner is going to be a potential great quarterback for Georgia. I'm not counting him off. I'm just saying I wouldn't put him in the mix for starter this season because you've still got Stetson Bennett there coming back. Because you've still got Carson Beck, who's been there for two years, going into his third year, I guess I guess at this point he would technically be a redshirt sophomore, because mm-hmm. I know he didn't play more than four games in both of those seasons. Yeah. Um. So he should be able to technically be a redshirt sophomore. And then you've got a redshirt freshman in uh, Brock Vandegrift, because I assume they gave him a redshirt oh, yeah. too, because why would they not? Because Absolutely. he didn't play four games. At this point, anyone that doesn't play four games in college football the first season just gets a redshirt, which saves a year of eligibility for yeah. him. At but, this point, that's what you... But my point is, you've got those three guys, and I think all three of those guys are capable of running this offense. And so whoever Kirby Smart and Todd Munkin, if Todd Munkin still sticks around, decides to go with, that means that's the best out of the group for right now. And I believe in whatever they decide. And I'm going to trust that that's the right call, because why am
2: I going to be able to sit here and say that they're wrong? I mean, what did I say last week? I said last... I, I said last week, I said, if, if, all the, if we have a majority of our quarterbacks return... G-Day is going to be a heck of a time for everybody. I mean, you're talking about you get to watch Stetson Bennett, you get to watch Carson Beck, you get to watch Brock Vandergriff, and then you get to get a glimpse of what Gunnar Stockton's bringing to the team. You get to watch those dudes battle it out in a spring game. That's going to be tons of fun. And then, so at the same time, you're provided with options. Todd Munkin has plenty of options to choose from. Kirby Smart has plenty of options to choose from of elite talent. We're not talking about, like, Guys are like, all right, we got a three star here. We got kind of like a Juco transfer here battling it out. You don't have any of that. It's not like you're bringing in a Grayson Lambert to compete. You don't have that issue anymore. You have three really talented quarterbacks on your four, but you have three that are going to be legitimately competing for this position position. And you have Todd Munkin to make that decision of all people, a really experienced offensive coordinator, both the collegiate level and the NFL level. So he knows what talent looks like. He knows who's going to provide the team with the best chance to win and who's going to bring the most success to this football team. So whoever they feel fits that role best in 2022, regardless of what happened in 2021, whoever they feel gives this team the best chance to win in 2022, you, there's there's nothing to question about it. That's obvi- that, that's who fans need to roll with, and that's – that. That should be the end of it. That should be the end of the discussion. There shouldn't be buts behind that statement of Stetson Bennett is the starter. There shouldn't be a but to follow that. If Carson Beck is the starting quarterback, there shouldn't be a but to follow that decisions. It's a business. Kirby Smart is making business decisions for himself and for the football team. So he's going, he's not going to make a decision to put his job in jeopardy or put his football team in jeopardy from success. He's going to do whatever is best for his football team and whatever he feels fits best for his team at that moment. Whoever brings the best opportunity and the best skill set at that moment now one thing i don't think
1: you'll see him do is sit there and switch quarterbacks a bunch throughout the season kind no. of thing if you see a quarterback switch it's going to be like think back to the beginning of the season last year in 2020 where you saw you know the beginning of the season started with uh, it was
2: clear they really didn't know who they were going to roll with to start the season off
1: yeah that's why it didn't take long for mathis to get pulled when everything was going downhill and they went with Stetson. And then JT still wasn't ready. But then when JT got ready again, he was back in there at that point. Um, but that's my point also. Which to go back to this season, that that's the I don't know why we didn't talk about this before in, in last week or other weeks that we've talked about this, but or maybe we have not I kind of like oversaw you know something and didn't catch on. But Stetson has been benched for JT Daniels once before. Yeah. So what makes y'all think that Kirby Smart wouldn't have done it again? this year he did it in 2020 he's been he literally benched. period but he's he bent but no, like specifically I, I you're saying he no. specifically benched JT Daniels or Stetson Bennett for JT Daniels oh, I, like yeah. he made that exact decision so why would he not have done that this year if he felt JT gave them the chance to win this season or anybody else yeah. or anybody else that's my exact point Stetson got benched before for the guy that was his backup this year, which tells me that he beat him out in practice or whatever situation once he got healthy this year. You mean to
2: tell me Stetson gave the team the best chance to win? Kirby Smart wasn't lying about that? You you mean to tell me Kirby was being honest with us when he was saying that and he wasn't just feeding us with crap like everybody thought he was? Yeah.
1: He's not going to come out here. and During this whole process, and as we started hearing different little things here and there, the rumors and all the stuff that comes up, the only thing that kept popping in my mind is – you know, every press conference that they got asked questions about Stetson Bennett, JT Daniels, all the stuff. I just immediately just see Nick Saban pop up in the corner of the screen and just go, "I'm not going to." So quit asking. He's not going to talk bad about those players. He wasn't going to come out and sit here and tell you what might be going on with JT Daniels of why he wasn't starting him. He's not going to sit here outside of saying Stetson Bennett gives us the best chance to win you right know, now. He's not going to say JT Daniels is not good and we don't want to play him.
2: You know what? You know what I see when I watch Kirby Smart's press conferences. I see like the little cartoon of like the devil sitting on someone's shoulder. Not even the devil, but like <laughs> this is what I think of. And it's Nick Saban sitting on Kirby Smart's shoulder, <laughs> and he's just whispering coach speak it. Like say, it. tell him it, it, this gives you the best chance to win. That's kind of how I see Kirby Smart's press conferences going because it's like you watch the two do their media interviews and it's whatnot. So similar. It's so identical. They give you such similar answers, and you can tell they just want no business with it. They don't want to be there. So that's that's how I always see Kirby Smart's press conferences. He's got a little Nick Saban sitting on his shoulder, like whispering him what to say and whatnot. That, that's how I always view them. Oh man, yeah, no, he.
1: It, but my point of the whole thing is, like, when it comes to the quarterback situation, I think there's enough evidence to show you that Kirby's making the decision that they feel is best as a collective group too. I think Todd Munkin's very involved in that decision this year, based on just little interview. Like when he, we actually got to see Todd Munkin talk at media day stuff. For the national championship you actually saw some stuff come out for you know in support of bennett and all the stuff that they started saying at that point they got vocal about who they wanted basically at that point it was it was like all right there's no question that they're going with stats and bennett like it was basically just squashed i think at that point the distractions probably got to be too much and Mm -hmm. i think the coaching staff decided at this point in time to we've got us we've got to get rid of these speculations these different things because our quarterback needs to be able to focus and i don't care who you are, and what kind of person you are. There's no way Stetson Bennett didn't know exactly what everybody was saying about him. Oh, yeah. You couldn't look at anything. This man was on campus. I'm sure people said stuff to him. I'm, people are ballsy. Like, I would not be surprised if somebody said something to him directly. And he, he was there. He saw everything that was going on. Yeah, he used the flip phone, and so he wasn't on social media and stuff like that. But, like, he's everyone around him is – Every family member that he has was on those things and saw the stuff. Every teenate that he has clearly saw the stuff too, and showed you that they loved the, the guy. The media
2: was telling Stetson what the what everybody on social yeah, media was every, saying. Every, didn't every have interview. to have social media. Every day. interview they
1: were telling him what they were saying. Every interview he was he was like, "Well, they go well. Have you heard this criticism of you yet? Have you heard that the, everyone is saying that you can't win big games or you're not a good quarterback and stuff? Like almost directly. Like and, and that's just sad." It's so sad to see all of that pushed down this kid's throat. And I think that's what the team decided. I think Kirby Smart, Tom Munkin, and them decided, all right, we're going to squash this because it's becoming too much. And at this point, we're on way too big of a stage to let it potentially affect us. And, you know, maybe it benefited Stetson in the the long run at the end of it because I think there's a reason that he came out, for multiple reasons, really, um, that you, you saw his interview where he goes, after that fumble, he told himself he was not going to be the reason that Georgia lost. There's two reasons in my head that that was the case, right? First reason is he's a diehard Georgia fan. He's been a Georgia fan since he was a toddler. And that's not changed at this point. He loves the University of Georgia, bleeds red and black, literally. Like, he is, he's that guy. He loves this university. So he didn't want to be the one to potentially lose that team, this university, a a national championship for that reason, right? Second reason is he didn't want to be the one to lose the national championship because that would just – Everyone would be right in quotation marks, not necessarily right, but they would just assume they were right that he choked and gave up the game. If he was the reason that was, you know, a negative impact for Georgia at the end of the at the end of the storyline, right? But guess what? Now he won it, and I wouldn't be surprised if there's a you know a, a movie made about this kid, like a, a documentary made about him. There, we definitely ESPN owes us a thirty for thirty on on stats minute oh, for sure. Like at this point, we're owed that as as college football fans. Like the story is unreal. And But I do. I think that's why he came out and said that he wasn't going to be the reason that Georgia lost this national championship. I think those are the two reasons. I really do. And it's sad that he had to think that way, at least on the second part.
2: Yeah. I mean (laughs) – the footage I want to see though, if, if there ever is a Stetson Bennett documentary, the footage I want to see is him downtown in Athens with a flip phone. Like he, you know he's just flooded with girls just like, oh my gosh, it's the starting quarterback here. Oh my gosh. And like, oh, can I get your number? This man, or like, let me add you on Snapchat. And he His pulls out him. a razor flip phone or or a Nokia, whatever. And he's like, Hey, I think hey it baby was a girl, Nokia like didn't look like a razor. I ain't got no Snapchat, but oh. I'll give you a call. Like I I, I, I only got 15 text messages left this month, so I can't really hit you up every got day. limited minutes, too. Yeah. <laughs> I only got 20 minutes up. left on my call log, and 15 of those are saved up for Kirby Smart and Coach Munkin, so I only got a f- about five minutes of my time for you, but I'll give you my best shot. Like, oh that, my God. That's what I would love to see. Like that's, that's the footage I would want to see on the documentary and have, hear everybody talk about
1: yeah, I think it would be good, but let's like I, with all of the stuff we're talking about as well. When it comes to the quarterback situation, there there's also something that's been speculated. And I know one thing we wanted to talk about today. We'll spend a few minutes, not a ton of time on it today. Maybe next week we'll still need something to talk about until Wednesday's hit, and all of a sudden all Georgia news breaks on Wednesdays. Apparently, um, like you said earlier, every time in the off season we sat here going, "Man, what are we going to talk about today?" And then like four o'clock rolls around. And all of a sudden, our phones all start blowing up. We're like, well, that's what we're talking about today, because there's the news. It happened again on this Wednesday, as always. Um, But anyways, back to the point. you got to look at two things, the NIL stuff and the transfer portal, right? And I think I'm bringing both of them up at the same time because of one specific player. Right now, there's a lot of speculation about where Caleb Williams will end up playing, Right. There's speculation about Georgia. There's speculation about what USC and other places and stuff. And a lot of stuff has come out basically making it sound like it's about who's going to pay the most at whatever place. What Where is he going to be able to get the money that he wants to get? Right. So that's the NIL side of it. So, but do you think Georgia goes out and looks at a quarterback at this point?
2: I think there's a chance that Georgia could look at any position in the portal. Kirby Smart has shown he, he's no hes no stranger to going and getting talent out of the portal. I mean, last year he went and got Tyke Smith out of the portal. He went and got Eric Gilbert out of the portal. He went and got Darian Kittrick. The key of those is that they're they are always going to be an immediate impact and positions of need. So if Kirby Smart sees a quarterback that could give immediate impact to the quarterback room, you can bet your bottom dollar that he's going to be trying to get that guy to come to Athens. So it, that goes for any position. If Kirby Smart can improve his roster in any way, shape, and form, he's going to go get that guy out of the portal. So I think, yeah, there's there's definitely a possibility. So, but I, I think also with what so the portal giveth and the portal taketh away. Like, yeah, that's kind of the that's kind of to. the narrative around it. But at the same time, like I can't remember. If, Brooks said that Alabama's lost like thirty plus players to the portal in a year span. As of, like,
1: last week. This is Alabama we're talking 33 as of last week, and that was in, that was, was like, no, that was since, like, August. August. Something ridiculous. It was, like, since August, and at that same time, Georgia had only lost, like, six, nine, I think, something something like that. Something like that, single digits. We're talking about the
2: kings of college football are getting depleted from the transfer portal. You don't see drop-off with them. You're not going to see drop off with Georgia either from the transfer portal. So, well, and you got it. It's like you said. It's it's it giveth
1: and it taketh away. So when Georgia loses players to the transfer portal, if they feel like that leaves a void, they go out and they go get those players. That's why we talked about this, right? Like the defensive back room last year was so depleted at the end of the season, right? Like going into that Peach Bowl against Cincinnati, looking at like Tyreek Stevenson transferring out, and then everybody else that was leaving because of the draft. Three three cornerbacks left that season. You lost your safety. Um, like you lost everybody, right? And you lost your star and all of a sudden it was like, what are they going to do? Well, they go out and get Tyke Smith. They went out and got Darion Kendrick and they went out and got these big name defensive backs to, to really help. And yeah, at the end of the season, Tyke Smith didn't end up getting to play because of his injuries throughout the year, but guess what? He's coming back and we still get him next year, mm-hmm. you know? So he's still going to be a starter next year on your defense Um, William Poole is coming back for Georgia this year, Robert, Um, Robert, Robert Chris Smith, and Nolan Smith is coming back this year. So you've got all of these guys coming back that stuck around. But my whole point of why I brought it to that was he filled those gaps. Like it was a clear need, right? And he went and got players that, like you said, were there to make an immediate impact because he's not going to go get a bench player unless you need somebody that's going to be like a depth position because you've got starters, but you don't really have anybody behind them. You might go get a depth piece somewhere. The if only it time you re- saw it really got like
2: that. the only time you saw Kirby do it was with Brandon Turnage last year, but he and left. Then, yeah, he and then he stay. ended up leaving. Yeah, he didn't so even stay. That's like, but th- that's the only time you've seen Kirby. Just but once again, like that was because piece. that was because
1: that defensive back room was so depleted oh, yeah. that we needed like Georgia needed a depth piece, so that was important. But yes, that's the point, right? It's he goes out and gets starters. He goes and gets guys that make an immediate. Yeah, Eli exactly. Wolf,
2: Trey McKitty, those type of guys.
1: Until now, Georgia's got their own bread. You know, tight bought ends at Georgia this point. time
2: to build up a Brock Bowers and a Darnell Washington
1: and a Oscar Delp and yeah. a Pierce Sperling that's coming in in the next year. Exactly. And like you've got at this point, he's fixed the problem in recruiting after he's seen that issue. Right. So in speaking of that, the defensive backs coming into Georgia, probably the best you've seen as far as recruits coming in at one time. Like the, the defensive back class in 2022 is unreal which we'll get into like all of the recruiting class stuff after February. We'll wait till actual signing day comes. A long off
2: season coming up, man. And you got got signing days. Spread out that content.
1: Signing day is still technically in February. So we'll wait till that comes and goes to really kind of get into all of that. But the point of it is that he'll go get somebody if he feels there's a need, right? So if there's a quarterback out there that he would get, it would have to be a starter, which means it would have to be a guy like Caleb Williams. It would have to be a guy that comes in and, Immediately makes an impact to take over that starting job. Right now, I would say that you got to look at Setson Bennett having the edge at starting quarterback for next year for obvious reasons. He just came back after starting all season last and he's year. he's got the
2: most experience, too. Like, he knows what's expected. He's got the
1: experience, and he just won a national championship. It's the same reason that we'll Let's bring this that up swagger, real quick. Man. Go back to 2017, 2018. There was no way Jake Fromm was being benched at the beginning of that season for a freshman at the time. That would be. You just don't do it at the time like oh, that. Can we not do
2: that? Let's right not now? go all the way Let, into it. But we you get my right point now? though.
1: <laughs> you get my point. Is like he won the national cha- he won the national championship. So he's going to have the edge. I'm not saying he, once again, we already talked about this. If you just joined, jump back, rewind a little bit, look at we talked about there's an open competition at this position. So it's not guaranteed that he's going to start, but I would give him the edge, which means you have to go out and get a guy that is hands down going to be better than him if you're going to get somebody to transfer and come in. Caleb Williams. I I think would be a better quarterback. But the reason I don't know that it'd be worth going and getting a transfer is he's got the talent to be an immediate impact. But Todd Munkin has a very complicated system that if you come plug a player in for one season and at the beginning of the season you start them, especially if they're not there soon, right, like for all of spring ball, to really be able to absorb and understand the playbook and what they're trying to run. Otherwise, you're going to have to see a dumbed-down version of the playbook again. Like last year, last year I don't think Georgia really opened this playbook very much because of all the changes at quarterback and stuff that was happening. So is it really beneficial to go out and get the elite quarterback in Caleb Williams when he may not be able to play at an elite level in this offense if he's not prepared to actually fully understand and know the entire playbook and just be able to do it, right? Like that's that's what you got to think about when it comes to that. But plus the other side of whether or not you should or shouldn't do it in my personal opinion, now I know that doesn't matter in like the grand scheme of things, but my personal opinion is I think it would be a bad idea to go get a quarterback right now. As yeah. far as the quarterback room and the situation you have, like I said, you've got three guys that I think could start for you next year. Going in and getting another guy to add to that mix, at that point you're going to see a Carson Beck or a Brock Vandegrift or somebody else decide to go somewhere else. Because at that point they're being told, we're not going to give you the chance.
2: I think you have something you have to be careful of when managing a roster is you don't want to overcrowd any, de- any piece of your depth chart. You want to, you don't want to put too many bodies in there. You want to have options and you have options right now, but you don't want to put too many names in the option pool of people that you could have your, that you could choose as your starter. You don't want to put too many names in there. Cause then that, that kind of, un- that kind of unsettles the players that are already there. And so you have to be careful about how you go about it. Like it's okay to go get a Trey McKitty, It's okay to go get an Eli Wolf because you're pretty limited at tight end to begin with. so And it's okay to go get a Jamie Newman at the time and a JT Daniels. It's okay to go get both you of those guys when you only had um Dwan Mathis pretty much as one of your options for quarterback. So it's okay to do that. But when you have a Gunner Stockton, Brock Vandergriff, Carson Beck, and Stetson Bennett, it gets a little dangerous to add in another name there. So I, I Kirby Smart's aware of that. He knows how to manage his roster. So I agree. I think bringing in another guy for that quarterback room is kind of flirting with the danger territory well, of it. At that point, it comes down to like, if you're going to do it, you just got
1: to be okay as a fan base, as a head coach, or whoever around. You just yeah. got to be okay with the fact that people are going to leave. And you got to take
2: case. the heat that comes with it if it doesn't yeah. pan out. Like, you exactly. have to be okay with it. You it's have a to, risky call. You better be very confident in that decision to make to bring in another guy and have the confidence in him too basically be your guy that year because it very well could just be where it's him. And and,
1: and you okay, got to think about yeah. the next couple of years afterwards, like just going mm-hmm. out and getting that guy that year. Like you got to think about his next year after that, or, or, you know, how long you're going to have them. So then you got to think about, all right, so if, if Caleb Williams were to come in, he was a freshman this year, wasn't mm-hmm. he? So he would have two years to play. And so you got to think, well, you don't want to tick off. He's going to be gone in one to two years. You don't want to tick off the guys behind him that you need. Otherwise you're going to find yourself in a situation like Georgia was in at the beginning of 2020 where, they had to go get two transfer quarterbacks in order to actually have like a
2: quarterback room. I mean, like, on, that's what you run the risk of by going and getting a Caleb Williams or somebody right now. Especially with how Georgia's quarterback room is set up right now, like you could get one more year of a Stetson Bennett, and then you could follow that up with a one year of Carson Beck, and then you could follow that with a one or two year of Brock Vandergriff, and then you follow that with a one or two year of Gunnar Stockton. Like the way you have it built right now is. Pretty perfect if those guys are okay with waiting their turn, like which is the problem that you're going to come into. And
1: it's not like I'm not calling it a problem. I'm just calling a spade a spade as far as what college football is right now. Right? The it's odds of that agency. happening, the odds of that happening to me are, are slim to none. Mm-hmm. And slim just left the building. So yeah. like because I don't see all of those guys waiting that long, especially when I think about like a Gunner Stockton in that scenario. Gunner Stockton is here you're for like, a while, four years before he starts, and then yeah, he started for a two long years. time. You know, at that point, especially for him. And then you got to look back to Carson Beck at that point. Carson Beck, if he's, you know, Stetson's here one more year, and then Carson Beck at that point is going to be a fourth year player. Still has a couple years of eligibility, sure. But if you're going to keep him around, you're going to have to sell him on the fact that he's going to be a Mac Jones. You're going to have to sell the quarterback room that, hey, Mac Jones was a first round draft pick in the NFL after playing for one season for us and after waiting behind Tua. And other players – and Jalen Hurts, they were all on the team at the same time. You'd have to
2: sell it, kind of like you sell your running backs. Like, hey, save the trend. Just give yourself two years. Like, you, if you can wait with us for two years, we promise we'll get you your turn. We'll get you your carries, and we'll get you in a position where you're going to be drafted in the NFL. You just got to be patient with us, and it's worked for Georgia's court, uh, running back room. I mean, you don't you hardly ever see any Georgia running backs hit the portal, and if it is, it's someone that was way below the depth chart at the time. And just wanted immediate playing time. But even then, like, Kendall Milton has stuck around. Kenny McIntosh has stuck around. It's their turn. Dejon Edwards is still stuck around. I mean, it, Brian Heron stuck around for a long time. It, it happens every year where Georgia running backs wait their turn. They know the process. So if you could kind of get that going in your quarterback room as well, just kind of say, like, hey, if you'll stick with us, if you'll be patient and trust this process with us, we'll get you where you want to be. The only thing is, is that you got to start that off by showing, hey, in one to two, in just one to two years of playing time with us, we can get you to the NFL, and that starts with whoever you have next in line at quarterback. You got to show that to them to get you to believe it. But if you can, that's a big win for Georgia.
1: Yeah, and absolutely is. And like you, you just gotta really just sit back and as fans, you just gotta sit back and wait at this point and just watch. And you gotta be happy with whatever decisions being made. Um, I guess you don't necessarily have to be happy about it, but you don't necessarily have to be negative about it at the same time. Is that's my biggest point of what I want to say. At this point of the episode is, you know, it, whoever the quarterback is going to be, that means the team feels that he's the best guy for the job. Whether or not you like the fact that he's the best job for the job or best guy for the job is irrelevant because if it is, it is. Mm-hmm. And at that point, you can sit back and you can enjoy it or you can sit back and complain about it the whole time and not actually enjoy it. I talked about this. I was talking to my mom, actually, the other day. We were talking about stuff and she's not a Georgia football fan or anything like that, but I'm a, I'm a big fan. and She knows that. So I'll sit there just kind of ranting about my whole situation with the whole court. We were talking about the quarterback stuff. And I was like, man, I don't understand why everyone sat back and just decided to be so upset all season long. It's a special season. It's a special year. You got to sit there and watch Georgia do something that we've never seen Georgia do in our lifetimes. And all season long, all you heard was fans complaining going 12 and 0 in the regular season. And every week, it's just, you don't hear about the positive stuff as much as you hear more negative than positive all season long. And now I'm scared that like, as a George fan, I'm, I'm nervous that all we're gonna do is sit here and just listen to it all offseason. We won a national championship. And I'm saying we at this point because I'm talking about as a fan's perspective. Georgia won us a national championship, all of the fans. And you you gotta enjoy it. Don't sit here and just waste, don't ruin the offseason by just sitting here saying our team is doomed next year because we got Stetson Bennett as a quarterback. When you probably sat here and saying Georgia was doomed this year if they stuck with Stetson. I had conversations with several people that said that. And guess what? Georgia still won a national championship. What's what does that prove? We don't know what we're talking about as fans. The team knows what they're doing, and we should sit back and just enjoy it. So my my uh request of dog nation is just sit back and enjoy the off season. It's the first off season that I've ever experienced as a Georgia fan where there's no better team than you. <laughs> like you can't nobody can talk trash about your team from last nobody. year because you You won it all. Like at this point, that's like that's a great feeling. Don't squander that moment away. Like I've I've seen a lot of people. The 2008 uh, tweets have been great. You know, every time Florida, because Florida fans are still very vocal. We're getting into my favorite um, segment that we do at different times, which is called Talking Season, and Florida fans are already getting going on that. I've already gotten into it with a couple of Florida fans. Bookmarks are already full. Bookmarks are already going from Florida fans, and I just laugh every time I see somebody respond back with. 2008 somebody said 2008 win something and i just lost it i was losing because i was going back and forth with this fan about like and i was being cordial ended up being cordial at the end which kind of was weird but um they kind of saw the light at the end i guess but it was funny because somebody jumped in in the middle of it and just said 2008 win something and it's just enjoy the off because you can actually say stuff like that you can't listen to 1980 anymore because it doesn't matter anymore like they can't say it I'll tell
2: you right now, if this is a preview for what the offseason is going to hold until August, I'll go ahead and invest in a smartphone along with, or a a flip phone with Stetson. I'm going to join that limited plan. Maybe I'll hit up Darnell for that Boost Mobile NIL deal that he got so I can get some more minutes added on. I think Stetson needs to do that so he's not running out of minutes while he's trying to get this girl's number. But yeah. I, I just, it's like we've been saying during the season as well. Just just enjoy the moment. We said it every, after every single game. Enjoy the moment. Enjoy where you are. Enjoy the success that you're having because it's not guaranteed. I mean, success and winning is not always guaranteed. You just don't – you don't know what could happen the next season. You don't know what could happen the next day. So just enjoy it. Soak it all in while you can and make the most of it. That's all I have to say for the off season.
1: And as as uh, Colonel Sanders is saying over here in the comments, which thank you for being here for this episode. We appreciate the support. It's always fun when we have comments. He's carrying
2: the chat. He's carrying back the chat now.
1: Nobody's saying anything but him, and he's still talking to us. But we're acknowledging it. We saw the one before this one too, which is why we laughed randomly in the middle of the show. Um, but as he's saying in the comment section right now on YouTube, is it's understandable to have some doubt in Kirby Smart before he wins the national championship, right? Like you can understand. There's some some reason to doubt because you haven't done it before but at this point he's won it so at this point you've got to give him the benefit of the doubt and say that he you got to trust that he's no he knows what he's doing and that there's a reason he's making those decisions and at this point you have proof that he knows what he is doing so yes give him the benefit of the doubt that's that's what you got to do you really do um and the last thing i'll say too just a, a tribute. i know he will never see this but it is what it is stetson bennett Thank you for putting together the best season of Georgia football that I've ever watched. Yes, the defense helped you out a lot, but you definitely had to carry the team in a couple different aspects of it as being a good quarterback throughout the year. And it is something that I can't help. <laughs> you ruined it. <laughs> Colonel Sanders ruined it. I can't help it, but laugh. Oh, that was funny. Um, I'm going to start over. <laughs> Stetson Bennett. Thank you for everything that you have done for this program and thank you for coming back because I think you give Georgia a great chance to win again. And from all of Dog Nation, even the ones that decide that they want to still doubt and still say anything negative about you, they are wrong. And go, dogs! We appreciate what you, what you are doing and your sacrifice for this university. And just hope we have a great year next year. You know, and hope. And if you start, we appreciate everything, and we know that you're the right guy for the job at that point. But that's all I got to say this week. Stetson,
2: if your Copenhagen supply is running low, you can always hit me up. I buy, I'll buy you a can on my dollar any day of the week, or beer. Or I'll whatever. buy you a log. Of you, you not I can't buy you pappy like you were drinking oh after God. the national championship, but I can, I could spare five dollars for a can of Copenhagen for you. So there you go. That'll be my tribute to him if he ever needs it. I got you. I got. I'll, I'll be your plug.
1: There you go. <laughs> classic city sports will we will we will cover your uh copenhagen uh if you need some so we got your back um but as always we like to say just make sure you we appreciate the comments and everything on our our videos when we do this make sure you like rate review subscribe wherever you're watching or listening um you know follow us on it's all the way over there on the bottom of the screen dogs daily pod on twitter also same thing on facebook if you're not watching through that link as well Um, But make sure you just share with other people. Make sure you let them know that if you enjoy the show, let them know that we're doing stuff that is at least fun and entertaining to watch or listen to. Even if you think we're dumb and you just think it's fun to watch because of it, that's fine too. Just tell people that and let them watch. Um, Either way, we appreciate the support. And um, as always, keep it classy in the Classic City, and we will catch you guys next
2: week.
0: Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Dogs Daily on Sports Illustrated. Take a second to subscribe, rate, review, and share with your friends and family. Feel free to reach out to the Dogs Daily crew on Twitter with any topics you'd like discussed. You can reach out to Jeremiah at Jeremiah underscore Stodd7, to Kyle at DKFubderberg. And Jonathan at twenty two underscore J Man. Check back next week for a brand new episode. In the meantime, go dogs.